Okay, but I have to yell at you guys. Okay, what? Like everything they do at this house, they can trust everything at Grandma's house. Okay. Okay, then what? Then you're not listening to me. Then you're not listening to me. I asked you not to do something. Linda, but listen to me. Look at if we do something, if you get that out, that bird thing off, you're going to break it. Okay, but I'm asking, I'm letting you know but that you cannot, know, Linda, no, Linda, I'm, lick it, lick it. you're not listening to me. Linda, listen to me now. Listen to me now. Listen to me. No, you're not listening. I said no cupcakes, and you try to get cupcakes, and you try to ask Grandma. Linda, Didn't you? Linda, lick it, lick it, lick it. If we do something without this, if we, if we get closer, you can't even get them. You're going to burn your butt. What's going to burn your butt? No. You and Kevin don't listen. So I have to give both of you guys pop pals in your butt. But Linda, but Grandpa's going to give me pop pals in your butt. No, he's not. Yeah. I have to, you want? You don't want me to hit Kevin or you don't want him to spank you? No. Why? Because anybody oh. wants to spank me. Then I have to spank Kevin. He's your little pop-ups, but he doesn't listen. But Linda, honey, honey, look at, look at this. Right oh, now, they can't do anything if we can't get everything out of the wall. If we're going to break everything down. I'm not breaking anything down. I'm just letting you know Linda, you cannot it, have it, cupcakes it, for dinner. It, Linda, Linda, like this thing, I never belong to you. Anything, you can't get anything and anything and anything. I'm done arguing with you. I'm done arguing with you. You need to listen to the things that I say because I'm the mom and I'm the no, adult. No, look at, listen to me. All the time you get them to, to, to stink, to, to, to stink, to, to, to I'm done break. arguing with you. Linda, I'm done arguing with you. Linda, listen, listen, Linda. This is the last week in the family series called Family Matters, and the first week, which started on Father or Mother's Day, um, I talked about change your words, change your family. The things that we say matter. I want to end this series by talking about how to listen. Because how we listen matters in our family. I think it's true that we are pre-wired to want to be heard rather than to hear. To want to talk rather than to listen. To want to be understood rather than to understand. But did you know that the Bible actually puts a preference and a premium on listening rather than talking? 
For example, James chapter 1, verse 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Have you ever wondered why that last phrase, slow to become angry, is in listening and speaking? It's because if we're not choosing our words carefully, if we're using harsh, abusive, destructive words, and if we're actually not listening with our head and our heart in our family, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of fights. The flip side is this. If you can get your words under control and if you can learn to listen, a lot of dysfunction in the home simply goes away. So here's where this message is going. If you can learn to listen better, the relationship with your spouse if you're married, the relationship with your children children if you have them, your relationship with your mom or dad, your relationship with your boss, your neighbors, whoever, will go to a whole new level. And your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ will go to a whole new level if you learn to listen. That's where this message is going. What about the words of um, Jesus, or actually the words of the Heavenly Father about Jesus when Jesus began his public ministry? Remember when he was baptized by John the Baptist? That began Jesus' public ministry. I think it's significant that a voice from heaven, the first three words that, the, that our Heavenly Father ever commanded us was this. This is my dearly loved Son, whom brings me great joy. Listen to Him. So what should we listen to Jesus about? Consider Matthew 7, 24 and 25. Jesus' words, he says, anybody who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock. But anybody who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you will listen to me, I will put your life on solid footing spiritually and relationally. On this earth. You don't listen to me. You don't obey my words. You don't put my words in practice. Your life will be like shifting sands. Now. There is a fallacy. That is addressed in scripture. And that is. Listening is just hearing. But listening is more than hearing. Listening is something else. John, uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 says, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourself. So listening well always requires a behavioral change. It's the same thing with belief. You talk to a lot of people in the world, a lot of people that don't even follow Jesus, and they'll say, oh, I believe in Jesus. I, I believe that Jesus uh, is the Son of God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. Guess what? You know what the Bible says? So what? Even the de- demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Belief doesn't get you anywhere. It's what you do 
with that belief that gets you somewhere. Now, turn in your Bibles if you have them or get uh, on your phone. Um, Mark chapter 4, we're going to look at the first 25 verses of Mark Mark chapter 4. This is the parable of the four soils. Now, this is the greatest parable that Jesus ever shared, and it's the greatest parable because Jesus himself said that if you'll get this parable, you'll get all the rest of the parables. I'm going to read it today out of the message version. I typically don't do that. I usually use the New Living Translation. But I think the message version really captures this whole idea of the importance of listening. So would you stand, please? Mark chapter 4. I'll start in verse 3 and actually go to verse 23. Listen. What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed. As he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel, it sprouted quickly but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds, and nothing came of it. Some fell on good earth and came up with a flourish, producing a harvest, exceeding its wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening? He continued. Do you see how this story works? All my stories work this way. The farmer plants the word. Some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the word than Satan snatches it away that has been planted in them. And some are like the seed that lands on the gravel. When they first hear the word, they respond with great enthusiasm. But there is such shallow, shallow soil of character that when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. The seed cast in the weeds represents those who hear the kingdom news, but are overwhelmed with worries about all the things that they have to do and all the things that they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard, and nothing comes of it. But the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace the word, produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening? Would you bow your heads, please? Holy Spirit, would you speak truth through words about not using words? And would you help us to grasp how listening well will change our relationships. Specifically, our relationship with you. Speak, Lord. We're listening. Amen. You may be seated. So how do I do a whole message on listening? Because I'm talking. That's weird. So we are told that this is the parable of the four soils. Actually, it's the parable of the four ways that people listen. It's the four ways that people listen to God and what they do with that listening. 
And because we're in a family series, I'm talking about the four ways that you listen in the home. So let's begin. The first way that you listen in the home is closed listening. The Bible says some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. The message of a closed listening person is this. I'm really not open to hearing what you have to say. Closed listening comes from a closed, hardened heart. Some people don't care that much about God. Some of you are here today, and the only reason you're here is because your parents told you you have to come. Or your spouse guilted you into coming. Or you feel guilty if you don't come to church. But truth be told, you're actually not that open to the Lord. Even right now, you're thinking about other things. You're far away. And God really hasn't been that much of a priority to you throughout the course of your life. And you're just sort of here, and sometimes you kind of wonder, okay, can I come up with something else to do on Sunday so I don't have to go to church? But can I say this to you? Just because you don't care that much about God, it doesn't stop God from caring about you. But truth be told, you're actually not that open to the Lord. What does a closed, hardened, listening heart or posture look like in your home? A couple things. Defensiveness. I think everybody has hot buttons, right? You know what hot buttons are? Things that when somebody says something to you or somebody does something, you go off. I actually think my phone's ringing. Sure enough. Somebody in the congregation just sent me a text. defensiveness. It's where you end up when somebody says something to you about a particular topic. You automatically go like this, emotionally. And you take a step back. You bring up finances. Bring up sex. Bring up where are we going in our life and our goals. Bring up money. And oftentimes in a marriage, it shouldn't be this way, but let's be honest, oftentimes in a marriage, it's like two boxers coming out of the corner, mixing it up, and then they go back to their corners and lick their wounds. And then they come out again and mix it up, and then they go back to their corner. And some of you may be in that habit pattern. And so you're sort of walking around your house emotionally, you know, don't want to tick them off. Watch out. The second attitude is one of entrenchment. Nothing the other person says is actually going to change their mind. You're not open to their perspective. Talk to the hand. And then the third is, ironically, pain. There's a lot of closed, hardened hearts simply because of pain in the past. 
Maybe some of you were um, raised in a home that uh, there was divorce, and you watched your mom or dad go through a very difficult time, and you thought to yourself, there is no way that that's going to happen in my marriage or when I get married. And so you go into a relationship defensive, almost not even knowing it, entrenched in your own perspective, saying, I'll never allow myself to be hurt like I saw mom being hurt or dad being hurt. And guess what? That's coming from a place of pain. And so you don't want your heart to be hurt, but the irony is is that you want to have an open relationship. You want to know and be known, but... In the whole marriage process, it's a whole lot easier sometimes to just step back and not allow yourself to be hurt. But the pain of the past always poisons the present if it's not dealt with. So how do you actually deal with a closed, hardened, listening posture? Kind of like the three-year-old that just doesn't even want to hear anything that mom has to say. You know what's funny at three? It's not so funny at 53. You try to have an argument with someone, you try to have a discussion, they're not even open. How do you get rid of that? Closed, hardened spirit. I would just suggest this. Like any of, anything else in life, it begins with a decision. So I would encourage you to just take the leap and let go of your defensiveness, your pain, and your entrenchment and actually ask God for a new heart. I think it's totally spiritual. I understand, listen, I, I've been to counseling a few times over the years. I refer people to counseling. I think counseling is great. Counseling is great when you get stuck and you need a third party to come along and help you get unstuck. But what I want to say is this. In matters of the heart, that's a God thing. And you're going to have to bring your heart, if you have a closed spirit, you're going to bring this to the Lord and say, would you trade out my hard heart for a softened heart and then be open to the Lord and cooperate with that? So Ezekiel 36, 26 says these words. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. For some of you, it just begins with a prayer. And it may not be a one-time prayer. It may be a prayer over the next several weeks, a couple times a day. God, give me a new heart. God, give me a new heart. Give me a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. And I, I guarantee you, God will answer that prayer. The second listening posture in this parable is shallow listening. Some fell on the gravel, it quickly sprouted, but it didn't put down roots, so when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Now, the shallow listening kind of takes the posture like this. Let's not go too deep, or it may become uncomfortable. We, we, we don't want to go there, because that's too uncomfortable. Have you ever had a conversation with someone And the whole time you're having the conversation, you're thinking, are they actually with me? Or are they someplace else? Are they actually getting what I'm saying? Are they hearing what I'm saying? 
And it's just, it goes beyond words, right? If it, did you just, are they, are they getting me? Spiritually, this is how it works. We love everything about Jesus, right? We love that Jesus forgives us. We love that Jesus' favor rests on us. We love Jesus' unconditional love for us. We love new life in Jesus. Um, We love the favor of God because of Jesus. We love Jesus. But, you know, there's another side to Jesus. And I'm not talking about the dark side, like, positive, negative. I'm saying to be, a, to be in relationship with Jesus, it's not just about the love and the favor of God. It's about dying out to self. It's about living a life of total surrender. It's about pursuing something we call sanctification. True character transformation. It's about living a life of sacrificial service. And there's a lot of people, they just want to hear the other side of Jesus. They don't want to hear this side of Jesus. They want to hear about the blessings and the favor of God, and they want to hear about how having Jesus in their life will make their life better. They don't want to hear about, whoa, total surrender. They don't want to hear about brokenness. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran pastor in World War II, once said, When Christ bids a man come, he bids him come and die. Twenty years ago, I was preaching a series of messages called The Blessedness of Brokenness. And I talked about how God engineers circumstances in order to break us so that we may be used in greater measure of God. It's sort of like the whole wild horses theme. You ever, you ever seen on National Geographic all these wild horses that are running, you know, in Wyoming someplace, and, oh, they're beautiful horses. They're, you know, they're, they're just lovely to look at. Those horses don't add any value until they're broken. When a horse is broken, they can be ridden. They can be used. They can be productive. And there's lots of us that are like wild horses, just running around doing our own thing. But when you gave your life to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to have to bring you to a place of brokenness in order for you to be spilled out on this world and used. That was the point of the four-week series of messages that I preached 20 years ago. I had a couple make an appointment with me in the middle of this series. And they sat down, they said, we're leaving the church. And I thought, oh my goodness, what had happened? You know, somebody say something bad to you, somebody like curse you out in the hallway or something, you know? And they said, we can't stand your series on brokenness. Because I only believe we come to church and hear positive things. And I don't want to hear any of this broken stuff. That's not Jesus. And I was taking them to different scriptures. You know? About the crucified life. Nope. Talk to the hand. They didn't say it like that. But the point is, they were not open. They they only wanted a certain level of message about Jesus. They didn't want to hear the deeper message of Jesus. So what a shallow 
listening look like in the home? There are four levels of communication. I'll just go through them really quick. The first is social. The second is mental. The third is emotional. The fourth is spiritual. Okay? So social and mental are really about safe conversations. When you're in a social gathering, what do you talk about? You talk about the Phillies. You talk about the Yankees. I mean, I talk about the Yankees. Just saying. Okay? We, we talk about, you know, uh, mental is we talk about facts and ideas and projects. They're all shallow conversations. But when we get to emotional level of communication, that's where we really begin to talk about our feelings and our needs, our wants, our dreams, our fears. You can always tell when someone's talking on an emotional level when their lip begins to quiver or they get a little quieter. Or maybe when tears well up in their eyes. They're talking about something close to their heart. And then the spiritual level is even deeper yet in terms of vulnerability and transparency. There are no emotional games. No manipulation. No distortions. How many of you have discovered that you can tell a story about something that you went through? And you can selectively leave out the facts about things that don't make you look that great. When you're talking to someone on a spiritual level, you're simply presenting yourself with authenticity and saying, this is what happened, this is what I said, this is what I did. And you're not making yourself look any better than what actually it was. It has been my sad observation that many marriages almost exclusively stay in the upper two, social and mental. Occasionally dipping to emotional. But the real joy of marriage and family relationships is actually dipping into all four on a regular basis. Yeah, you have to talk about your facts and ideas and all those things. But then you get down to your feelings, your wants, your aspirations, your dreams. Some of you haven't had a serious conversation with your spouse in years about what's really going on inside of you. Let's be honest. And there are many marriages that actually never get to the fourth one spiritual at all. And I'm not talking about talking about Jesus. That's part of it. I'm just talking about talking about things that are utterly transparent. And an emotional nakedness. Actually, that's what God intended in the Garden of Eden. There's something to this. They were naked and didn't know it. Because they just had a oneness. Adam and Eve, there was a oneness to them of just being who they were in transparency with each other and with God. So how do you move out of shallowness in relationships? I don't know. It's tough, right? Let me just give you two thoughts. The first is ask God to give you the courage to be real and appropriately vulnerable. Psalm 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is with me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? 
I don't care where you were born, in what country, people are always the same. Yes, there are temperament differences. Yes, there are personality differences. Yes, there are cultural differences. Every person is the same, except for those variations. We all want to be loved. We want to love. We all want to trust people. When we get hurt, we pull back. And it's the challenge to step forward again and allow yourself to trust and be hurt again. We're all the same. So why is it that we spend so much time thinking about what will people think of us? Because we're all the same. You walk into a room and you're wondering, are people going to be kind to me, loving? It doesn't matter who you are. Everybody thinks that. Somebody, this is two now, somebody has to go first. There's a lot of women saying, I would love to have that kind of relationship. You first. To their husbands. No, you first. No, you first. Well, somebody has to go first. Expect a little bit of awkwardness. That's okay. But being vulnerable attracts people to you, not away from you. Satan has planted a little fear inside of us that says, if I really opened up, I'd be rejected. The truth is, if you really open up, people are drawn to you. Because what they're really saying is, you too? I thought I was the only one. Third listening posture is distracted listening. Some fell in the weeds, and as it came up, it was strangled among the weeds, and nothing came of it. The distracted listening posture is really this. I'm really interested in what you're saying. Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Somebody just text me. It's being with someone, listening, but looking beyond their shoulder as somebody else passes by and engaging them. It's distracting. You know how this works out in your relationship with the Lord? It's like you're having your time alone with God, and then, ooh, somebody texts you, and then you respond to the text. Wait a minute, Jesus. This is more important. That's what we've just said. Oh, oh, an email came up on my phone. I'll just respond to that email, and I'll just put the, the Lord Jesus Christ just off to the side for just a moment. I'll get to you, Jesus, in just a moment. Can I tell you how many times I've done that? And I'm the pastor. I have to constantly guard against my ADD thought process when it comes to my relationship with the Lord. Sometimes I've had to put my phone away for weeks at a time when I'm having my time alone with God. Because I hear the ping. And I'm distracted. Sometimes I can't even have I can't even read a devotional on my phone because I know I'm going to be distracted. Sometimes I'm just telling you, sometimes I print out the devotionals and leave my phone in the other room so I can actually read the devotional without being distracted. You know where I'm going with this, right? What does it look like to be distracted? In your home. Get a picture. Yeah. See this dad right here? Listen, it's not the phone issue. I'm not, I'm not beating up on phones. It's, it's the issue of being engaged, sort of. 
I was only going to say positive things about this picture. I was just going to be funny the whole time. Yesterday, I read an article from USA Today from August 2018 about the rise of child drownings because of parents on their smartphone not looking up. That is the essence of distracted parenting. And we, our kids are distracted. Okay, so all I'm saying is, it's the third kind of listening posture. I'm with you, sort of. The studies are all out. They've all come in now. There is no such thing as multitasking. There is no such thing as multitasking. It is impossible for the human brain to do two things at one time and be engaged. Something suffers. Right? So how do you get out of a distractive posture of listening? It leads to the fourth kind of listening posture, and that's good, effective listening. But the, good, but the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest beyond their wildest dreams. Some of you have dreams for your kid, for your marriage, for your family, and you've not experienced those dreams. And Jesus says, if you get the right listening posture, will hear and obey, you can go to a whole new level in your relationship with the Lord, and you can go to a whole new level in your relationship in your home if you'll just practice listening well. So how do you become a good listener? Four things. This little acronym, RASA. R-A-S-A. RASA is the ancient Indian language of Sanskrit and it means juice or essence. The essence of listening are these four things. One, receive, R-A-S-A, okay? Receive, giving the person your full attention, making good eye contact, staying with the person, looking at them. Not looking at the TV, not looking at your phone, not looking at the computer, not staring out the window. Listening, full attention. A, appreciate. I got a kick out of this one. Appreciate means making little noises when other people are speaking. Hmm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in a conversation where you got nothing? The person looking back at you is like... Okay, so I just got to tell you, if you do that to me, I'll just tell more stories. I'll just keep talking to you. Because I think that you're probably not even hearing what I'm saying, and one more story will help you understand where I'm coming from. So you've got to just look at me every once in a while, and especially if you want me to finish on time. Mm. Mm. Yes, yes. Okay, I can move on. S, summarize. So what I'm hearing you say is, Repeating back to the other person what you just heard them say, not necessarily word for word, but kind of putting it through your brain coming out and saying, so I really heard you say. And here's what's interesting. It's not just a head thing, it's a heart thing. Sometimes you're listening to somebody talk about a specific issue, but what they're really saying is something completely different. 
When somebody's complaining about the car and how they almost got in an accident, they, they actually may be expressing fear about the maintenance of their car. Several weeks ago, we had district assembly, which is our Nazarene gathering here. Many of you helped out. And I missed Thursday night completely of our gathering. And that's because the brakes, that we've been having a problem with the car that I drive, my brakes, and I just kind of said, oh, yeah, I'll get it taken care of. And so I set an appointment for two weeks out. And the car that Holly was driving, we needed to get rid of that one and get another car, but that we were kind of in a transitional time. And so Holly took my car. So she's in Montgomeryville at five points at rush hour traffic, and she loses the brakes on my car and goes through two sets of lights until she lands in a parking lot and puts the brake on, you know, the emergency brake. And she calls me up and she's like, I just went through Montgomeryville at rush hour traffic with no brakes, and I've parked the car, and I'm upset. Well, yeah. (laughs) Now, I could have at that moment talked about the details. Now, tell me, what about the brakes went wrong? Did the brakes go all the way to the floor? No. I talked about, well, how are you feeling? You must have been scared. I would have been scared. See, you hear, but you don't really hear. And you've got to summarize. So what you're really saying is you were terrified because cars were beeping at you and all around you. and That's hearing. That's the value of summarizing. And then ask, R-A-S-A, ask. Ask relevant and appropriate questions to assure the speaker that you understand and are with them. You ever been in a conversation, somebody asks you a question about something you just said? Literally, you just gave the answer and they didn't hear you? And then they ask you a question? Uh, I, I, just, I just answered that. Or they ask you a question that has nothing to do with what you're talking about. That's always helpful. So what are we having for dinner again? I was pouring out my heart to you. Right? Do you like corn tortillas or flour tortillas? Yeah, that's gonna, that, that goes well with your marriage if that ever happens, right? Okay, end of message. Lay that aside. Let's take five minutes and do something that may be a little bit awkward for some of you. We're not going to have any music playing in the background. We're going to take about five minutes and we're going to listen. This message, although it's really been about the family, is actually about giving you an opportunity to listen to the Lord. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have fellowship with him. Here's what I think. I think that God is speaking all the time. Yes, there are seasons in which God goes silent. If you've been a Christian long enough, you'll get that there are seasons in which God goes silent for whatever reason. But most of the time, God is speaking to us all the time. The issue is not God speaking to us. The issue is our ability to hear and respond. I have a feeling today that God has been knocking on the door of some of your hearts for a really long time, simply saying, let me in. 
It could be, let me into your life. I'll forgive you of your sins. I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And I will set you on a new path. We call that salvation. And maybe God has been knocking on the door of your heart for quite some time. And today's the day in which you say, you know what? I don't know what I'm waiting for. I'm just going to let Jesus in and I'm going to give Jesus my life. Today's a good day, if that's you. But I'm also convinced that Jesus is saying to some of us, let me in. Let me into your pain. I can do something about that. Let me into your depression. Let me into your anger. Let me into your broken dreams that your marriage isn't what you thought it was going to be. Let me into your singleness. Because you hate being single. You want to be married. Let me in. Let me into your complacency. Yeah, I really don't care that much about God. Okay. That doesn't stop God from caring about you. If you hear God's voice today, it may be good to just kind of open the door and say, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing, but I'll let you come in because I hear your voice. So I'm going to take five minutes and then I'm going to close in prayer. No music, all listening.
Would you please stand? Would you consider this week, this being the first of several times in which you just quiet yourself down so you can hear God's voice? Jesus, speak this week. We're listening. We're open. We want to go deeper with you because we know the deeper we go, the greater the joy and intimacy with you. God, in this distracting world, help us to focus on you. Father, would you take our families to a whole new place by listening well. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great rest of the day. Have a great Father's Day.